0: This is the revolution leadership podcast. My name is Chris and I'm your host and here we believe that everything ultimately rises and falls on leadership. Here we're going to be sharing with you time-tested principles, giving you practical examples and sharing relevant stories in order to equip you to lead wherever you are. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about what I believe is one of the foremost tasks of any leader that is to create culture in your organization. Let's start by just defining what is culture. Culture is really a a series of expectations, behaviors, reactions, responses, how-tos that exist within your organization. And they really reflect the larger identity. It's part of uh, rolling out the identity into all of the people that are part of your organization. Are we all doing the same things for the same reasons, uh, for the same outcomes, for, for example? So when we start with defining culture... Um, no great culture happens on accident, but every culture happens. In other words, whether you're intentionally creating a culture or not, there is a culture that is being created in your organization and you as the uh, senior leader are responsible ultimately to set the tone and the expectation of what that is in your organization. So it takes hard work to create a strong intentional culture that's really positive. It takes a lot of repetition, uh, well-thought-out ideas, crafted language, but the 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 risk of not intentionally creating a great culture, the cost to you is far greater as a leader than it is to actually put forth the effort to intentionally create that culture. So I wanna talk about culture for just a few minutes here and define it simply as when you begin your organization, you have uh, whatever particular idea, value proposition, whatever it is that you're going after, this is who we are, this is the identity, this is the purpose and mission of the organization. When you talk about creating culture, what you're really saying is, we're going to create a space around this particular thing. So we're actually going to um, insulate it, if we will, and protect it because there are all sorts of other competing ideas. Um, in a marketplace, we could be talking about the, the specific financial forces, economic parameters that are that, that are competing for what you're trying to do. But as a leader, when we talk about creating culture, we're saying, this is what's really true about who we are. Now, we're going to protect that by insulating it with a culture around here, okay? So, so how can you tell when you're talking about something that's culture? You may hear phrases like, this is what we're known for, or it's just part of who we are, or this is not how you do this because this is the way things are done here, okay? So those are all language that may be indicators that you're bumping up against a cultural parameter. So when you start creating culture, what you're doing is you're building uh, parameters that resist outside influence. Really, it's creating an understanding of this is who we are. This is who we are not. This is what we do. This is what we do not. You really, you're, you're creating definition for anybody that's inside of there because anywhere that you go, whether you're at Disney World, whether you're in a local church or whether you're at a Starbucks, you have to define Who is it that we are, and how does that differentiate from the world that's outside of there? And if there are not clear parameters that protect that specific thing, that mission that you're after, if there's not a clear culture that's protecting it, then it will not survive against those forces. The greatest leaders in the world know how to create culture. Let me give an example of this uh, in, in a very small way, an organization I was leading a number of years ago, and then we'll zoom out and maybe illustrate it for you in a larger way in a minute. I was leading a a, a leadership school um, for collegians uh, maybe 10, 12 years ago, and I was around the corner, and as I came into a a central space in the office, I heard two people talking. And one of them, the more tenured, said to the newer, said, well, Joe always says. And so I stopped just around the corner and thought, well, this will be interesting. I'm curious to hear what it is that I always say. And so I stopped, and I paused, and I could hear just around the corner as they were talking. And the more tenured one said, Joe always says, and then went on to explain something um using some language uh to this to this 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 newer person so as i as I listened i thought well i've I've never said what they just said, but I have said this, and I have said this. And I guess if you put those two together, that's a right conclusion to kind of the ethos of, of what I have, have declared and, and you know what, what's true about me. And so, so as, as I walked away from that, they never knew I was there. As I walked away from that, I began to think about how significant that little encounter was because I wasn't present. I wasn't a part of it. Um, I had obviously been removed from the circumstance. I just happened upon it. And I began to realize that the creation of culture was taking place in our organization. Right? So in that case, I, I realized it accidentally, but it cued me into going, wow, there's a tremendous amount of power in beginning to create uh, language and behaviors that are highly repetitious and intentional because they're embodied by other people. And now they're shaping experience for others that are coming into that space that I've had nothing to do with. In other words, if you want to create a widget, you can give somebody the intellectual framework um, and the blueprint to do that. But if you want to transfer an idea, an ethos, an aura of the heart, if you want to catch the heart and vision of the organization, you have to create culture that reflects that. So it was one of the first times when I realized my responsibility is to create the culture that what people understand to be true about where we are is consistent with our primary objective and mission. Bill Hybels, uh, a leadership uh, expert through through the years, has said vision leaks. And I believe the same thing is true when you're talking about culture, culture leaks. It takes a lot of repetition. It takes a lot of revisiting the same ideas. I remember as a kid sitting in a, in, a, in a church service and hearing a pastor describe how we were going to take communion. It was a large church, thousands of people. And I remember listening to him describe how we're going to take communion. And my friends and I goofing off at our really behavior. And we kind of began to imitate and maybe mock a little bit even uh, this pastor because we know the language. We've heard it so many times. And we kind of, I remember saying something like, we don't need to hear this, we've heard it, you know, a hundred times or whatever. And and and, and then thinking about that, that conversation later and thinking, wow, the reason we all know it is because he's been so intentional with the repetition of it, it's shaped. If he stood up there and he said absolutely nothing, the vast majority of us would know exactly what to do, how to function, operate in that moment because it had been repeated so many times for us. He created a cultural understanding and expectation of, of a behavior for us in that organization. So again, just another example of how the creating of culture has power well beyond the immediate influence of you as a leader. So if we go back here and, and talk about what does this actually look like when we start to apply culture, this, there's some significant pieces we can we can draw just even from a, from, a, from a spatial understanding of this. Number one, when you create parameters around who we are and who we are not, i.e., cultural parameters around this, what you're doing is you're defining who's on the end and who's not. So 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 here's what I mean. If somebody comes in and they were to violate one of these parameters, you know you're not functioning consistent with what's true about our primary mission. Okay? So for example, someone could come into your organization and let's just say uh, for you you might say leaders never criticize, condemn, or complain. And there's a, a new hire and you notice after a few weeks there's a lot of kind of butt around the coffee pot. There's, there's a lot of um, just kind of complaining and frustration about what's going on. And if it is not checked by that culture, it could begin to you know, produce some really negative results. But if you've done a good job of creating culture, somebody else, not you in the organization might say like, listen, uh, that's not how we function around here. That's not what we do. Um, that's not accepted here. That's not okay. Why? Because it violates our culture. In other words, when we understand what the culture is, it's able. We, we are able to identify who's functioning well inside of that and who's actually violating what's there. We have one in our organization, Red Five, uh, called "Die Quietly." It's just one of the one of the axioms that we reference oftentimes in our staff. And when somebody's um, exhausted or tired or complaining uh, or trying to let a number of other people know how hard they're working, but it's not um, out of being known; it's out of kind of soliciting pity. or or wanting somebody to know how hard I'm working, then oftentimes you'll hear another staff member say, well, die quietly. In other words, we don't need to hear about your passage. We don't need to hear about um, the pain that you're under. We need you to bear up well underneath it. And there's taking care of people and all that, but it's a cultural transgress, if you will. It's clear that somebody is moving from the outside trying to violate culture to bring in that ethos into that organization. So again, when we we zoom back out and we look at creating culture, we're talking about defining parameters around the primary mission of what it is that you're doing or work out the the identity of the organization. So how do you actually begin to create culture? What does that actually entail uh, as an organization? I want to submit to you, uh, there's a number of ways, but just right off the top, one of the fastest ways you begin to create culture is in language. So no matter where you are at any point in history, you can see the power of leaders creating understanding, creating uh, defining reality through the use of language, really creating culture around their primary mission. I love the story of Alexander the Great, whom obviously just about everybody knows uh, he was a man who by the age of 30 had conquered uh, all known lands and was... Uh, I think it says he wept because there were no more lands to conquer. So pretty good resume, 30 years old, uh, conquered the planet. It's a big deal, right? So, so at one point in time, um, there was a particular battle that was taking place. And to be in Alexander the Great's army was this fantastic honor because um, he had such a winning record. There was such a um, just the ethos of alexander the great army was so significant that his men would actually call themselves Alexandrians. so if you asked any of his men on any given day uh, what is your name they would respond my name is alexander because to be a part of his mission and on his team and in his army moving forward was such a great honor that they would begin to self-identify in other words they took on the culture of what was true of alexander So in this particular battle, the fighting got really intense, and this young man um, actually fled from the battle lines, which was part of um, the way they trained, is you would never leave the battle line no matter what, because when you did, the way they fought in lines, it would expose the person to your right and your left. And so it would, um, obviously, the the whole strategy would break down if you fled from the battle line. So if you ever fled, the automatic penalty was death. So you either died in service to the, the movement of the army or you would die if you fled, uh, if you were caught. So this young man fled and the, the, the army went on to win the battle. And later he was caught and he was actually brought before Alexander. And he's standing there. You can see that Alexander is officers. And then this young man is brought in front of him. And Alexander looks at him and he goes, son, what is your name? And the young man said, my name is Alexander. And again, Alexander the Great said, son, what is your name? And the young man said, my name is Alexander. And a third time, Alexander said, son, what is your name? And the young man said, my name is Alexander. And Alexander the Great looked at him and said, son, either change your name or fight like an Alexandrian. Alexander had created this culture, this understanding of what it meant to bear that name, to be a part of that army in the mission that they were in. And because of that, his men adopted that culture and obviously that whole identity became true about who they were. In other words, this is who we are. This is who we are not. This is what we do. This is what we do not. And again, I submit to you as a leader that one of the foremost ways you begin to create culture is by utilizing language, okay? So let's talk about that for a second. How could you actually apply uh, creating culture through language. So language is incredibly important because it defines reality. So what I would submit to you is that as you begin looking at how to, how to create culture in your organization, if, you have, um, if you're a more seasoned organization, you've been around for a little while, um, there's, there, there is, uh, there, there's kind of two ways to go about this. Um, I remember a story of a university that was paving a bunch of sidewalks throughout their entire campus, and they paved a bunch on one half of the campus, and people began to take other routes through the grass until there were just paths worn, and they weren't actually using the sidewalks. And so some of the staff, universities, uh, officials were, were frustrated by that. And so they were going to pave the second half, didn't really know what to do with the first half. And the second half, they're going to pave the sidewalks. And somebody had the brilliant idea that said, let's, let's not pave any sidewalks yet. Let's just allow people to walk across the grass and see where they naturally go. And as they've naturally gone in those places, it'll create ruts, clear paths. Then we can go back and we can pave those natural paths and actually make it very certain, um, go back and pave where people are already naturally going and walking. And so obviously they they went on, they did that, and instead of trying to push a particular direction onto people, they went to see where were the natural paths were created. So if you have a more mature organization, um, I would encourage you to look at what are some of the natural pieces of, of ethos, what are some of the natural, this is just who we are and what we do, that are native to your organization, that are the really healthy parts. If you're early in your organization's life, then I would encourage you, think hard about the ethos of your organization. What is it, the identity, a corporate identity that you're actually trying to share and instill in the people working there? So in our organization, we have a number of cultural statements, about 20, 25, kind of depending on, on how you're looking at them, that is language that we use repetitiously all the time that helps shapes how we think about who we are that protects our ultimate mission. Okay, so we have phrases like the greatness of a man is determined by the cause he lives for and the price he's willing to pay to achieve it. It's a cultural statement that says, hey, if you're not paying the price, then maybe you're not committed to this because maybe there's a low measure of greatness in what you're doing. Okay. So another one is that banners are hailed at the beginning and medals are awarded at the end, but leaders are forged in the long, dark, in between. In other words, we're not here to necessarily just celebrate and party. We're not here to just kind of uh, put on some facade about the great things we've done. We're here to really train in the long, dark, in between. That's why we're here. So if someone is not here or attempts to cross that perimeter from the outside, everybody understands this is who we are. This is our primary uh, objective, and this is the culture that reflects that, that actually protects the the, the primary mission or purpose, um, and enables it to thrive. So, I would encourage you, as a leader, begin to think through and define what are three to five statements, okay, um, that really define the 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 ethos, the life. The, the identity of the organization? What are three to five statements that really shape who you are? And test those out. Don't be arbitrary with them. You might test them out um, with some employees here and a circumstance here. And, and does it evoke a sense of, um, of unity, of motivation, of inspiration from the people that you're um, trying those out on? Make sure that they're, they're sticky and they have some sort of a shelf life. And then you begin to implement those things at staff meetings. You begin to implement uh, that language um, at any sort of a gathering. You begin to implement that language at every place that you can find an appropriate uh, space to use that language. You begin using it over and over again. There are times when I have a, a big idea or a part of our culture that I really want to emphasize for our team. And I'll think, if a circumstance like this arises, that's when I'm going to utilize that language. And in a sense, I keep that language in queue. I have some of it written down and some I do devices, and I keep it in queue so that if that circumstance arises, I know I can use that language and it'll propel the moment forward and enable me to communicate something um, in that context that'll have 10 times the impact than if I just said it, maybe rolling up to uh, a casual engagement with some people. So practical application. How do I, uh, excuse me, I begin to to find three to five um, language statements, axioms that really define the heartbeat of the organization and then i begin to roll some of those out on a regular basis that are publicly uh, used in repetition And, and maybe there's a couple others that i'm waiting for the right moment so that when that moment comes i can deliver that idea or that phrase and it has literally multiple times the effect that it might have in a very casual environment Okay, so again, we're talking about creating culture. Why? Because the influence of you as a leader is limited to the time and space you can impact unless you create culture, expectations, norms, behaviors, language. That has rippling effects far beyond you. As you continue to use and be consistent in those things, they continue to shape and, and firm up that culture that you've created. It takes on nature in those people and those people and those people, and it continues to, to grow in strength. You do that by shaping language. Initially, you do that by shaping language that actually reflects what's true about the organization, and in doing that, you'll ultimately begin to find that the influence that you have as a leader is actually shaping the way that people are thinking, how they're um, engaging a circumstance, how they're reacting and responding in a way that's consistent with who you are as an organization. Finally, I just want to encourage you that um, the, 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 this is a really, it's a big task. It's not an easy task. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. You've got to be meticulous. You have to be well-planned and thought out in terms of how you're going to do this. And um, I want to encourage you that it is worth every bit of effort required to do it because the payoff far outweighs the risk of not doing it as an organization because your identity as an organization and therefore the culture you're creating is the most significant thing about you and what you will ultimately do. So I wanna thank you again for being with us on this podcast. Uh, Next time we get together, we're gonna be jumping in and talking about what is the core identity or what shapes the core identity of a leader, which really comes down to what's in the middle of this. And then again, the culture is gonna be what's going to help you exceed that into the rest of the organization. Thank you so much. Again, we believe that everything rises and falls on leadership. And because of that, we're committed to enabling leaders and increasing their capacity to succeed.